Section forty eight of the Mistress of London, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Mistress of London, Volume three by George W. M. Reynolds. Farther explanations. My brother, repeated the Earl of Ellingham with a wild glance and a sudden start indicative of the most painful surprise my brother georgiana oh no impossible tis true that my father but no that child died i can give you no particulars offer you no evidence in this most strange and mysterious matter said lady hatfield endeavouring to subdue the excitement produced in her much agitated mind by the preceding scene all i know is all that he told me was that secret which i have now revealed to you thus arthur you perceive that independent of the other reason which would prevent me from becoming yours and you from receiving me as your wife but wherefore did you not mention this at first at the commencement of our conversation this morning demanded the nobleman utterly bewildered by the revelation that had been made to him and scarcely knowing whether to regard it as a substantial fact or a miserable fiction because rainford himself appeared to tell it to me as a profound secret observed georgiana not that he desired me to consider it as such but his manner and then the nature of the revelation itself which could not be gratifying to your feelings oh i scarcely know what i am saying arthur but i would have spared your feelings had you not compelled me to make that revelation to prevent the mad the insane designs of vengeance which you had formed i understand you georgiana interrupted the earl and deeply oh deeply do i feel your generous consideration on that point but there is one question that i wish to ask you a question speak arthur this is the day of mutual outpourings of confidence said lady hatfield and remember we are henceforth to stand in the light of brother and sister to each other the question i would ask is relative to the robbery that was perpetrated on you and miss mordaunt a short time back near hounslow continued the earl was that highwayman he was he was exclaimed georgiana once more painfully excited but do not look coldly on me arthur do not despise me for that dreadful crime of perjury which i committed to save him he wrote me an imperious note commanding me to stop all proceedings instituted in reference to that matter what did such a note imply it was a menace a dreadful menace a threat to expose me if i did not obey his mandate consider arthur oh consider how i was placed my reputation at stake my fame in the hands of one who can you wonder that i preferred the dreadful alternative of perjury to the danger of disgrace and infamy which seemed to impend over my head alas i cannot blame you poor suffering woman ejaculated the earl in a tone of deep commiseration we never know how we should act till we find ourselves placed in circumstances of difficulty and embarrassment and then then even the most rigid integrity often yields but let us sit down quietly georgiana for a short half-hour compose ourselves if we can collect our scattered thoughts 
and converse together as sister and brother for i will now communicate to you the little i know concerning the birth of thomas rainford if he indeed be the offspring of that amour arthur ceased and passed his hand over his brow as if to calm the warfare of thoughts and conjectures which agitated his brain georgiana seated herself on the sofa and the earl at length took a chair near her then he continued in the following manner my father the late earl was married twice his first matrimonial connection was formed when he was thirty and this union was unproductive of issue lady ellingham as i have heard was a woman devotedly attached to the dissipation of a fashionable life she seemed to exist only to shine in the gay assemblies of the west end and as she had no children and her husband was immersed in politics she possessed no ties to bind her to her own fireside she played deeply for play was very fashionable then amongst ladies and is even now to a considerable extent her extravagances were great and she made rapid inroads upon my father's fortune by the time he was forty he found himself involved in debts and moreover rumour began to be so busy with the name of his wife imputing to her the most shameless infidelity that he determined to separate from her i should not allude to this circumstance i would not for a moment revive statements prejudicial to the memory of a woman who has long ago gone to render an account of her deeds to her maker were it not that respect for the name of my lamented father renders me anxious to discover any extenuation which offers itself for his subsequent conduct well a separation was resolved upon a certain income was settled upon lady ellingham the estate was put to nurse as the law phrase has it and my father who was a proud man retired to a small property which he possessed in ireland ostensibly for the purpose of giving up the cares of public life but in reality to conceal the necessity of retrenching his expenditure ten years passed away and when my father was upwards of fifty he returned to london his estates having in the meantime been relieved of all their encumbrances lady ellingham was still living but the smallness of her income and the impaired condition of her health forced her to dwell in the strictest retirement she had moreover become a devotee and manifested no desire to return into the dazzling scenes of fashionable life i am now speaking of about thirty-one years ago when i was not born it was at that period that my father encountered a young and very beautiful girl named octavia manners she was the half-sister of a marine store dealer who bore the disagreeable appellation of benjamin bones by all i have heard octavia must have been a charming creature and her manners acquirements and conversation were far superior to her humble condition in life i cannot give you any details respecting the way in which my father became acquainted with her suffice it to say that he grew deeply attached to her and his visits were encouraged by her brother but alas from all that i have heard i have grounds oh too strong grounds to believe that those visits were most unwelcome to octavia for she was beloved by a young man in her own sphere of life and whom she loved in return and it is now that i would palliate as far as possible the conduct of my sire while i am bound to admit that his proceedings in respect to that unhappy girl were most unworthy the noble and the man 
My heart aches, too, as I utter these words, but I am telling you a history the truth of which must not be disguised nor in any way misrepresented. But some allowance, some little excuse may be found for a man who was separated from a wife whom he had not seen for many years, and to whom there were positively no moral ties, although the legal ones still existed, to bind his fidelity. He was devotedly attached to a young and beautiful girl, who unfortunately could not return his love, and who did not even seem flattered by his visits, as so many maidens in her sphere would have been. No, she shrank from his addresses and implored him not to persecute her. But he persisted in his visits, and the first sad result was that the young man to whom Octavia's faith was plighted would not believe that she discouraged the attentions of the nobleman who condescended to appear at that humble dwelling. I cannot, of course, inform you, although we may both imagine, how the young man reproached Octavia, and how she defended herself, but it is certain that he suddenly quitted the neighbourhood, leaving behind him a note declaring that he should never see the unhappy girl again. Alas, that I should now be compelled to recite the tale of my father's guilt, my father's crime. His love for Octavia knew no bounds. He was determined to risk all, everything. "'Spare your feelings, Arthur. Dear Arthur!' exclaimed Lady Hatfield for I can fully appreciate the grief which this revival of such a subject may cause you. Octavia, then, was purchased, purchased with gold, my father's gold, Georgiana, and the deed of, dare I call it, ought save infamy, was consummated, said the Earl in a low and subdued tone, as if he were overcome by the enormity of his sire's guilt, that guilt which, with the venial filial affection he had vainly endeavoured to palliate yes twas done he continued sadly and the vile half-brother sold the honour of that young and already too deeply afflicted girl too deeply afflicted i say because she had lost him on whom the affections of her youthful heart were set the very day after her disgrace her ruin she fled from her brother's house and for several months no trace was discovered of her it was feared she had committed suicide, and my father was almost distracted. At that precise period his wife died, having ended as a devotee that life of which so much of the early portion was passed in dissipation and illicit amours. She had not been laid many weeks in the family vault, when my father, by some means unknown to me, perhaps by accident, discovered that Octavia was living, and that she was in the way to become a mother. He hastened to the miserable garret which she occupied, and found her in the most abject state of poverty, endeavouring to earn a subsistence with her needle. A girl of the gypsy tribe, and whose name was Miranda, was the friend and companion of poor Octavia. How they grew acquainted, how they came to live together, I am not aware, but Miranda was much attached to poor Octavia, and was nearly her own age. Indeed, Octavia was not seventeen even at that time, and this Miranda of whom I speak was about fifteen. Much mystery envelops this portion of the sad tale. It is, however, certain that my father visited Octavia for several days, that he passed hours with her, that she even appeared to be reconciled to his presence, and that they went out together and remained absent for hours on two or three occasions. 
again she disappeared suddenly abruptly without having intimated her intention to my father and without even having confided her design to her friend miranda for miranda remained behind at the lodging and when my father called and found octavia not he was seized with a paroxysm of the deepest grief another year passed away and behold poverty and distress drove the unfortunate octavia to seek an asylum at the house of her half-brother she would not doubtless have gone near that fatal dwelling where her ruin was accomplished had it not been for the child which she held in her arms that child a boy was the fruit of her connection with my father or rather of the dreadful deed which gave her when under the influence of an opiate into his arms but she was dying yes she was dying when she knocked at her brother's door and on her deathbed she implored that my father might be sent for he flew to her he knelt by her side he took the child in his arms and embraced both the dying mother and the innocent babe by a strange a wondrous coincidence miranda entered the house at that moment she had come to make inquiries concerning octavia and found her dying the poor mother forgave those who had wronged her forgave her half-brother blessed my father yes blessed him and recommended her infant to his care that infant being also his own then my father requested to be left alone with her but scarcely had the villain bones and the unfaithful miranda quitted the room when they were recalled by a dreadful cry which burst from my father's lips and they hurried back to find that octavia was no more arthur paused to wipe away the tears which were trickling down his cheeks nor were georgiana's eyes unmoistened by the sweet dews of sympathy when my father had sufficiently recovered himself to attend to more worldly matters continued the young earl he gave directions for the funeral of his victim and to miranda did he entrust the child then he placed in the hands of benjamin bones in the presence of miranda a thousand guineas to be placed out at interest in order to provide the means of supporting the infant and his nurse i should also inform you that a small roll of papers carefully wrapped up in a piece of thick brown paper was found upon the person of octavia shortly after her death and these were taken possession of by benjamin bones my father having previously quitted the house of the nature of those documents i know nothing but i have been informed that when the half-brother read them he was greatly excited and secured them under lock and key a year elapsed during which my father called several times to see the little boy who throve well in miranda's care but at the expiration of that period his visits ceased altogether for he was about to marry again twenty-nine years ago the honourable miss stamford became his second wife and twenty-six years ago i was born but before the date of my birth and within six months after the marriage of my father appeared in the newspapers bones discharged miranda on some pretence and she returned to her tribe some few months afterwards she fell in with another tribe and to her profound surprise she discovered the child thomas in the possession of a woman named egyptia of the child's identity miranda had no doubt because it had a peculiar mark near the shoulder of the right arm she and her sister gypsy then compared notes and Egyptia told her that she had received the child from a man named Benjamin Bones, a marine store dealer in Greville Street, 
Hatton Garden. That Bones had given her twenty guineas to take the child, that the money was all gone, and that she already repented of the bargain. Miranda, who was attached to the child, offered to take it, and her proposal was accepted. For seven years did the faithful Miranda rear the boy as if he were her own, but at last she fell dangerously ill, was long delirious, and when she awoke to consciousness again, she learned from her companion that the boy had died of the same epidemic malady, beneath which she herself had nearly succumbed. Again the Earl paused for a few moments, and when he again broke silence, it was to conclude his narrative. My father, as you are aware, Georgiana, died when I was only a year old, and I was brought up by my mother. At the age of nineteen I went to Oxford, and it was in the neighbourhood of that city I one day fell in with a party of gypsies. They offered to tell my fortune, and I consented for the amusement of the farce. The young female who undertook the task commenced by giving me my real name, for I had doubtless been pointed out to her in the city, as the gypsies had been there and in the vicinity for several days. But the moment my name was mentioned, another gypsy woman, who had probably seen forty summers, uttered an ejaculation of surprise, looked hard at me, and then inquired abruptly whether I was the son of the late Earl of Ellingham. I answered in the affirmative and she let drop some observations which excited my curiosity. I took her aside, thrust a guinea into her hand, and demanded of her the meaning of her words. She returned me the money, and, after much persuasion, narrated to me the whole history of Octavia Manners, that is to say, as much of it as I have now told to you. You now understand, Georgiana, how it is possible that this Thomas Rainford may be my half-brother, but if he be the account of his death received by miranda from her companions must have been false for i need hardly tell you that the elderly gypsy who unfolded to me the details of my father's fatal conduct towards poor octavia was none other than miranda herself shortly afterwards my mother died but i never revealed to her the story of her late husband's guilt and octavia's wrongs scarcely was this strange narrative concluded when the door of the apartment opened and sir ralph walsingham entered the room well he exclaimed mr rainford who honoured this house with a visit last night and frightened you georgiana so sadly has got himself into a pleasant scrape at last indeed exclaimed lord ellingham hastily what he is arrested on a charge of highway robbery a robbery in fact committed on no less a person than our acquaintance sir christopher blunt returned the baronet arrested ejaculated the earl exchanging a rapid glance with georgiana as much as to enjoin her not to allow the subject of their previous conversation to transpire in the presence of sir ralph walsingham yes arrested last night lodged in horsemonger lane jail as a character too desperate to put into the usual lock-up and examined before the magistrates at the office in the borough this morning continued sir ralph i happened to be in the neighbourhood an hour ago and heard all about it but he is remanded for a week at the solicitation of mr howard the attorney for the prosecution sir christopher not being in london well poor fellow i am really sorry for him for he seems to be a dashing daring gallant blade by all accounts pardon me however my dear georgiana he added 
seeing that his niece was deadly pale i ought not to have spoken a word in favour of a man who terrified you so but lord ellingham interrupted sir ralph by taking his leave of him and georgiana and as the nobleman took the latter by the hand he said in a hasty whisper i will go and see him at once he then left the house entered a hackney-coach at the nearest stand and ordered the driver to take him to horsemonger lane jail End of section forty eight